hello, uh, my name is Sergio Verstovšek. I'm professor of medicine in the leukemia department at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. I'm here at ASH 2021. Uh, there is a lot of uh, things going on in MEMPN, myeloproliferative neoplasms, and I selected a few to talk about with you. Uh, the one that is really practical was a presentation by Dr. Barbui on the thrombotic risk in myelofibrosis. We usually talk about thrombotic risk in ET and PV, but not in myelofibrosis, but myelofibrosis is one of MPNs and carries the thrombotic risk. In his analysis, he found two factors to make a difference. This is the risk of dying actually by international prognostic scoring system, saying that patients that have a low risk of dying have a high risk of thrombosis and the presence or absence of the JAK2 mutation. If the JAK2 mutation is present, that's about 60% of the patients, the risk is higher versus those that do not have a JAK2 mutations. So the higher risk is in a low risk patients that have a JAK2 mutation. These usually present with very high white cell counter platelets. So remember, thrombotic risk is something to think about in MF and those numbers need to be controlled, meaning decreased if they are high like we do for patients with ET and PV. Now let's talk about some of the agents, the therapeutic agents, JAK inhibitors in particular that are coming along and will be soon approved for therapy of myelofibrosis. We have uh, already ruxolitinib and fedratinib. I hope we know what to do with them, but they cannot be given to patients with platelets below 50. And so that's area of unmet need. Pacritinib is the JAK2 inhibitor that uh, is safely given to patients with low platelets. It has been in a number of studies and we expect this uh, drug to be approved in the United States within three months, followed by the European Union. Why is that? Because retrospective analysis, and there were uh, several abstracts at this ASH, talk about uh, its efficacy in patients with low platelets in the ballpark about 30%. So about a third of the patients have excellent response. You cannot get that with the standard practice ruxolitinib comparison was actually presented. It improves the quality of life as well to do about the same level. And it's relatively safe. It causes some low-grade GI irritation, which you can control with the proper medications, doesn't have any infectious or neurological toxicities. So it's very valuable if it becomes available to us in community setting to remember it because for patients with low platelets, this is the drug to go to in the near future. Momelotinib is another JAK inhibitor that has been around for quite some time. What happened with this drug is it, it actually failed in development as a drug for control of the spleen and symptoms. But through those studies, we realized that anemia improves in people on momelotinib. Now we know that this is because this drug has another mode of action. Not only that inhibits JAK1 and JAK2, so JAK's that pathway inhibition to some degree, it also inhibits the iron metabolism pathway in the patient's body. It inhibits hepcidin to be particular, hepcidin in master iron metabolism. With that, you have a increased iron available for blood making, erythropoiesis in the bone marrow. And that explains why, in addition to controlling the spleen and symptoms, you have actually improvement in anemia. So it has been tested in a phase three randomized study to control the anemia and symptoms versus standard practice danazol in a second line setting after ruxolitinib. That study accrued everybody six months ago. Within a few months, we expect the results to be available. And my expectations are that this is gonna become a standard practice drug by the end of perhaps next year. 
uh, if it gets approved based on positive results from this phase three study, those are all my expectations, uh, as the drug for anemia and symptoms, where most of the patients suffer from anemia and symptoms down the uh, uh, time uh, the, as they live with amylofibrosis. Now, in addition to have this clear cut uh, goals of these new drugs, there are many new drugs that uh, are aiming many other biological abnormalities in uh, malofibrosis. So we are talking about epigenetic modifiers like a BET inhibitor, PRMT5 inhibitor, LSD1 inhibitor, or we are talking about BCLXL inhibitor like Navitoclax, telomerase inhibitor, the MDM2 inhibitor, there are many. And believe it, there are at least eight phase three studies for approval of these other agents in malofibrosis where there are patterns of how we go about approving them. Number one is to combine them directly from day one of therapy with the JAK inhibitor with the given JAK inhibitor. So ruxolitinib plus something else and the randomized study would then be versus ruxolitinib alone in a frontline setting. You have drugs called pelabresib, which is beta inhibitor, parsaclisib, PI3 kinase inhibitor, navitoclux, big CLXL inhibitor. Then you have a, a, a next line of uh, therapies that, uh, that are given to patients that are already on ruxolitinib with some control of the spleen and symptoms, and you add something to that uh, therapy because people have suboptimal response. We call this add-on approach. Again, you can add the same agents uh, to suboptimal responders to enhance the spleen and symptoms, or, and my, I'm very excited about this, is luspatercept. Uh, an anemia drug approved for MDS is being studied in a phase three randomized study in patients who are on ruxolitinib and are requiring transfusions to eliminate transfusions. So anemia drug. Or the last is obviously a single agent studies after ruxolitinib in a second setting. There are uh, several phase three studies, telomerase inhibitor, imetilstat, aiming actually to prolong life of the patients or MDM2 inhibitor, uh, CAR-T232 to control the spleen and symptoms and others. So very exciting, very hot area of research in malofibrosis with multiple, multiple different phase three studies for possible approval, many in combination with JAK inhibitors. So I would expect that within three to five years, we'll have not only two, but maybe six or seven uh, uh, in new drugs for malofibrosis in our disposal in community setting. In polycythemia vera, there is a, a discussion about the development of a new therapy that aims to alter the iron metabolism. This is hepcidin mimetic called rusvertide. It's a sub-Q injections, and what it does is sequesters the iron into the reticuloendothelial system, meaning the iron stays in the liver, in the spleen, in the lining of the GI tract, and there is less iron for erythropoiesis. So what that drug does to PV patient, the phase two study, two studies were presented and showed that there is rapid decrease in the phlebotomy need, elimination basically of a need for phlebotomy. You know that the standard practice is to phlebotomize patients to decrease the red blood cell count. So this drug eliminates that phlebotomy need and it has been combined with uh, hydroxyurea or ruxolitinib or interferon, standard practice drugs, or even given alone in patients that don't need any cytoreduct therapy. Otherwise, in any of these settings, it's very, very active in elimination of the phlebotomy. It appears to be safe, tolerance is excellent. And there is a lot of talk about phase three study next year, comparing rusvertide to a placebo in patients that are 
on or off any cytodoc therapy. Otherwise, they'd have too many phlebotomies. And believe me, there are many patients in a community setting in particular that still require too many phlebotomies despite our use of hydria, interferon, or ruxolitinib. So this will be very interesting to follow next year. Uh, completely novel approach in therapy of PV.